And we're back with another episode of The Anarchist Experience, episode 134. Uh, that is season two, episode two, uh, coming at you this Saturday morning. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since you know we do this show live in the mornings, we got those call-in numbers for you, uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, so what do you got going on with you this week, MC? Um, I was introduced to a Ponzi scheme, the first one in my life. An actual Ponzi scheme or just another MLM that everyone thinks is a Ponzi scheme? Um, most MLMs have some type of product that they're peddling. Okay. And, uh, this one isn't the, the, the product is a, uh, fantastical dream that, uh, everybody's going to be wealthy. And, uh, also in a Ponzi scheme, you get your, uh, you know, people below you to chip in money and that funds the interest from, for uh, all the people that got in really early. And so people that are in really early uh, have fantastical gains. Like this one guy earlier this year, he joined in like March. Okay. And three months later, four months later, because, you know, he put in like $1,000 and he told a whole bunch of people about it and those people told a whole bunch of people about it. And so he's got like 12 levels of of people. And he's, so he's got like 200 or 300 people, you know, basically under under him. Nice. And he's got $48,000. And this was like only after like four months. The video is kind of old. So that's impressive gains. That's insane gains. And it was so funny because he was like, he was like, it, and I'm really happy about this. I, I'm, I'm extremely happy about this. I'm like, no shit. If you could put in $1,000 and get $48,000 out of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's total insanity. So, um, and. <laughs> So of what, course, what is all the, his money, all his money is still on the website, and that's and that's where the Ponzi scheme really works this magic. Because if it's if all your money is paper or not even paper, if it's all digital on on the uh, the website, it's not in your control. Um, then it's not yours; it's theirs, and they can walk away with it anytime they want. So he thinks he's rich. He thinks he's got forty eight thousand uh, dollars, but. As long as he leaves it in there in the hopes of turning that into $480,000, you know, 10 times his money, uh, then he has a, a bigger, bigger chance of walking away with nothing. Okay. Well, okay. So I hear what you're saying. And I guess my, I have, I have questions. Um, the first one is what is, what's, what's the Ponzi scheme proposing to offer aside from you give us money and we give you back more money later? Like, Clearly, that's a Ponzi scheme, and clearly that would be, um, I guess, I would think, reported and put out of business immediately as a Ponzi scheme. So the, the well, way most Ponzi schemes get around that is by offering something, um, you know, to, to, to show that they're not really a Ponzi scheme. Well, they, they offer 1% payout per, per day. So you put in whatever invest, investment you have, and they pay out 1%. Okay. So after 175 days or 140 working days, uh, you get uh, 140%. Okay. So and if that, I, and if, then that and then that contract is over. Okay. If I went to like a regular stockbroker and I gave him my money and he said like I can guarantee you certain returns, well, number one, guaranteed returns means he's probably lying. But at the right. same time, he's just going to invest my money in a way that he thinks is going to get returns and then he pays me a, a small percentage of what he actually makes, right? So if, or, if, or he takes a small cut for himself for doing his work. So he right. might you know, take anywhere from 1% to 10% of a, a fee for managing your money. Okay. So how, how is this different than that if they're taking your money and just and investing it for you in something that they believe will, will offer that type of return? Um, and yeah, and all that is... is uh, I guess possible in 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 like a one in a million chance um, that they would be able to increase everybody's money uh, by forty percent just from their amazing trading abilities. Um, okay, it's 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 only possible because 
the Bitcoin uh, market is well. I mean, there, there's a chance, right? So, so this if, is a Bitcoin Ponzi scheme. Yeah, Bitcoin Ponzi scheme where uh, people put in their Bitcoin and hope to get forty percent more on top of their initial investment. Um, so yeah, so the 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 company is called USI Tech. Okay. And uh, what else should I say about? It? Oh yeah, so another thing is they're hosted out of uh, Dubai, and I forget which uh, market they're registered under, but. Um, it's kind of shady. Okay. Um, but all that doesn't guarantee it's a scam. But um, I, I don't know. To me, I think it's it's very obvious when you make fantastic claims about a guaranteed uh, payout. And uh, I don't know. I don't I don't see how they could be honest. Like, I, at first I was thinking, okay, maybe they're just getting everybody's money. They're making really big bets. And... If they win, great. They'll pay everybody out, and then if they lose, uh, you know, everybody loses. But um, that I don't think that's what they're doing at all. I think they're. Uh, well, okay. So to I be fair, I, to be fair, my strategy and I believe your strategy with Bitcoin, especially now, is the long game, right? So even if they make a big bet early on. Right, the likelihood that they they won't make the money to pay people back is slim, at least in I think our shared opinion, right? So if they're if they're playing with big if they're playing with big money, because they have all these investment investors coming in, and the price of Bitcoin you know like goes up uh, a few percentage points, then they would still have enough money to pay all these people back. No, I'm playing devil's advocate here because um, I really don't know. Yeah, and and that's the thing, like if. If they were genius uh, investors and they were able to uh, make a profit, um, still a 40 percent Bitcoin profit is is total. Uh, that that's insane. Like that, it's that that would be really hard to do. Well, not if you bought because, it three thousand like a month ago. <laughs> right. No, I mean. no, no. I'm not talking about. Pro- <laughs> I'm not talking about profit in U.S. dollars. I'm talking about forty percent of your uh, extra Bitcoin. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Bitcoin, like the the value of the Bitcoin fluctuates, but they're they're claiming they're going to give you forty percent more Bitcoin every uh, one hundred and forty working days. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's that's totally not sustainable. And so one way I've come up to explain it to people is say, what if there was twenty one million people that invested in this in this uh usi tech right and they all put one bitcoin in so everybody saved up five thousand five hundred dollars whatever you know and put one bitcoin it's in. It's, it's not realistic because price would skyrocket if everybody's trying to do that right but um let's say everybody had one bitcoin and they all put it in there uh there's only 21 million bitcoin so where would the extra 40 percent go to pay out okay it it just doesn't exist so if U.S. high tech wasn't a scam, it would say, you know, well, we're doing really good. We're in our investing right now. We had this rate of return last month. Let's say it was 60% because we're just so awesome at trading. And, uh, you know, next month it, it might be a little bit less. Okay. Uh, and then next month after that, and or maybe next year, then it'll go a little bit less and a little bit less. And then eventually we'll get down to the point where, you know, it's you're only getting like 2% per year, but each Bitcoin is worth like a million dollars. So you're still going to, you know, you're going to have a dollar amount that's still going up. Uh, but the Bitcoin, because Bitcoins are running out and, you know, everybody's investing them, um, then we can't pay out 40% of Bitcoins every, you know, every 140 days because they don't exist. Okay. Um, well, let me ask one more question real quick then. Um, some years ago, a mutual friend of ours introduced me uh, to I think it was CoinPro, right? Which proposed to drip uh, a fraction of a Bitcoin into your wallet on a regular basis, right? And and what they got in return was questionable. I didn't know what it was, so I you know I, I signed up. I used like you know a g- generic fake email account um, to to you know so I so if, if they were stealing my information, they weren't getting anything really good out of it, just more junk mail. Um, and they did. They dripped. Uh, Bitcoin into this wallet for some time and then 
you know, I, I got some friends, you know, signed up underneath me, right? So, so that my drip was a little bit bigger. Um, and, and they got their drip kind of, kind of the same, similar thing, except I didn't have to make an initial investment. They were just giving it away. Um, and the question at the time was, well, how, what were, what was to gain by giving it away? Right. So I'm looking, I'm looking at this and kind of a, a similar thing, right? If, if, if they're just giving it away, like, where is it coming from? Like how, how was CoinPro able to drip money, you know, without being able to generate it? Yeah. Well, I, I assume CoinPro didn't drip that much. Um, no, but if they had like thousands of customers, right there, you know, you, you're talking about like, you know, uh, a substantial amount of Bitcoin if they, if they were doing it for everybody. Yeah. So I, I, I can't tell you if it was substantial or not. Cause I, I don't know much about it. I guess my, I guess my, I'm trying to compare it to this because it was basically, you know, you, you, they're guaranteeing 40% return somehow. Um, and you're saying the Bitcoin has to come from somewhere. Um, well, I can tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from everybody that's new putting their money in, and that's how a Ponzi scheme works. As okay. soon as people stop enlisting and enrolling in in this Ponzi scheme, it, it'll collapse. Or actually, it might it might go on for a little while longer, um, because uh, people, very few people, are going to be taking their money out because they think they're going to be rich. So. Uh, and that's that's one of the reasons why this this particular Ponzi scheme is is very genius because they're they're targeting people without a lot of money. So they're saying you can get involved with fifty dollars, and and then you can make your fifty dollars grow. And then if you tell your friends, then we'll give you you know an extra little bit, and uh, so you can multiply your wealth. Excuse me. Um, and so, and that's what it is. It's a multi-level marketing, but they don't actually have a product. The, the product is getting to look at your numbers rise on the website. That's what it is. Okay. And so they're selling you a dream. <laughs> now, some people are going to be smart and they're going to take out, right? They're going to put in whatever investment and they're just going to have it, you know, uh, withdraw every day to their account. And at the end, they're going to have 40% extra than they had before. Uh as long as the Ponzi scheme doesn't blow up before then, right? So the only thing I don't know is, is how long the scheme is going to go on. Is it going to go on for, you know, six more months? Is it going to go on for two years or five years? Who knows? But it it has potential to be billions of dollars. Um, so there's another Ponzi scheme, the Bernie Madoff one. And halfway through that, people were calling that a Ponzi scheme too. You know, they were, they were like, hey... I mean, like credible people were telling the government, hey, this is a Ponzi scheme. Uh, but all the customers for, for Bernie Madoff said, no, 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 keep this going. And then they got their friends involved and, and they told the government, no, no, just, just don't worry about this one. You know, this is good. We're going to be rich, even though, they are, you know, he, Bernie Madoff actually targeted rich people. Okay. Um, so, but that's what it was. The, you know, the people looked at their statements every every year, month, whatever it was. As long as it was going up, they didn't care to question it. Okay. And that, and that's the same exact thing that's going on in U.S. High Tech. You know, people are looking at it. Uh, they they're dreaming about being rich, not having to work anymore. Like, but it's it's too good to be true. You know, and it's and it's not it's not even possible in the long run. Right. But as a short term investment, as as a short term gamble. I won't gamble. even call it an investment. It's, okay. it's definitely a gamble. It's you're 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 giving your money to to somebody else that you don't know and in a different country uh, that has very a very good. It's a very technical te technological uh, marvel. The website it, it's very uh, impressive, like the way they do their uh, charts and their interest payments and and the reinvestments and. And uh, the payouts and all, all this stuff is top notch. It's, it's great, except like it doesn't make sense and it's it's not it's not reality, right? It doesn't. <laughs> the the thing is built on on uh, being a multi level. It's not even it's not even a multi level marketing because you're not they're not selling anything. They're selling they're selling a fantasy is what they're selling. Just a return on investment, like that's the yeah. product. Yeah. Okay. It's like. Now, one other thing that you said um, early on that I wanted to follow up with is you said that if you keep your money in that system, then it's not really yours yet. Now, how would you compare that then to any other uh, Bitcoin wallet or exchange uh, 
uh, if it's not well, just a regular like paper wallet or something that you 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 have access to. Yeah, if you if you a normal Bitcoin wallet, you, only you have access to, and that's and that's uh, more uh, realistic money, right? Uh, even though you can't physically touch it, um, you're in control of it. You can you're in control of the funds. Um, so if you put your money on Poloniex, for example, it's it's the same thing as M, uh, MT Gox when it collapsed. You know, uh, the 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 money is not in your physical possession, so somebody could steal it. Somebody could walk away with it. Now they might go to jail, uh, but you're still going to be out the money until you know the court system figures out how to pay you or whatever. Okay. Um, and so I'm still out money on on Mount Gox also. Um, and and same thing with Poloniex. Uh, they were they were hacked one time. Um, they they were able to get some investments and make the money back through uh, trading fees from their customers. And now they're one of the biggest exchanges uh, on, on in Bitcoin. Okay. Um, what about me, who has my wallet on like local Bitcoin, so that I can you know. So lo- Localbitcoin.com is the same thing. Um, it it probably should only be used. Uh, temporarily, when you when you're actually selling the Bitcoin, okay. Um, so you so you are taking a risk by having it on on their exchange. Okay, but uh, you know that that's uh, that's that's a risk that people are, are willing to take because they're they're offering a service, right? The service the is you know, matching matchmaking, yeah. So it okay. it's might be worth having. But you're saying if you don't get if you don't get like a hardware wallet or a paper wallet or just you know uh, like the Bitcoin just, app, yeah, just a normal Bitcoin wallet on your computer that that most people use, um, uh, the Electrum wallet or or even Blockchain.info. Um, well, I also have a Blockchain.info wallet, but to me, that's not you know that's still someone else's wallet, right? I'm I'm pretty sure the way they do it with Blockchain.info, they don't actually have your uh your private keys i i might be wrong on that i think it's i think the way they do it they they have an identifier and then you you have a a password that unlocks it somehow okay um so i'm i'm not 100 percent sure how they do that I'll, I'll have to look into it but i don't think they have access to your private keys i could be wrong so um somebody somebody fact check me on that okay Please, if you're listening to the podcast on LRN.FM, which is why we're on season two, episode two now. So thank you for having us. Um, yeah, go ahead and, you know, uh, post something in our group uh, to, to let MC know or call into the number and leave a message uh, or pay attention to the page on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash anarchist experience for when we go live and then call in and talk to us directly because we'd love to hear from you uh, now that we know you're exposed to this. Please continue. So I want to. I want I want to bring up another point about the uh, the U.S. high tech. I thought it was funny because when when I initially signed up, uh, you know, put my email address in there and my my name and maybe my birthday. I can't remember, but I got an email saying, "Due to the backlog, we're we're getting so many emails, we can't activate your account yet, and there's three people in front of you, so just be patient and and you know your account will be activated." And I'm thinking, wow, really? Like, they're that busy that they can't just do like every other website in the world where it just like sends me an email when it's ready. Like, you're saying I, they're pur- I they purposefully. They're, yeah, they're purposely making it sound like everybody is rushing into this and you have to do it fast, right? Okay. They're, so they're building up this this idea i know it's it's got to be a lie i mean i'm sure they're getting lots of people <laughs> i'm sure they're getting lots of people but it's got to be a lie and then something happened that, that confirmed that for me so they're so busy that they can't have automated system you know activate it and send me the email when it's ready you know or, or without without an email telling me i have to wait five minutes or whatever it was you know um it's almost like they're bragging you know um but i i sent them an email back because what I was trying to do was add somebody as my upline. That's the way okay. multi-level marketing works, right? So I wanted the person who introduced me to it to get the credit for me and everything that I do on there. Um, and so I sent him an email and I said, uh, you know, I want this other person to be my upline. How do I how do I add them? A minute later, I get an email back saying, call me. I'm like, whoa, so you guys are so busy that your automated system can't even keep up. But you have people just 
sitting around, you know, at a moment's notice for for tech support, uh, (laughs) one on one, like you guys are ready, like no wait at all. Poloniex, the website, I know is busy. Thousands of people signing up every day. Um, You open up a ticket with them, and maybe they get back to you in a couple weeks. You know, (laughs) (laughs) right? So. Yeah, I know. I know USA Tech isn't can't possibly be that busy to uh, you know be rushing to my aid, right? <laughs> well, okay. So not being that busy, then it's probably on the way down, right? If they're not, well, I, I don't know. I I think they're probably still growing. I I think uh, because this is the the cool. There's good and bad here. So the good thing about USA Tech is is that. Uh, it's getting a whole bunch of people that that are not into Bitcoin to thinking about investing in Bitcoin, and with small amounts of money too. So people go, oh well, I can I can multiply my wealth uh, by having a small investment, and and I don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. I can just buy a little bit, you know, put it in this website, and you know, hopefully it pays me out, whatever. Okay. Um, and then those people talk to more people about Bitcoin to to get it invested, and more people about Bitcoin. So. The, the information about Bitcoin is spreading to a lot of people. Unfortunately, the bad thing is a lot of these people are could be older people who, who are desperate for a solid investment. Uh, a lot of these people would, would, would be just fine. Like if, if the bank interest rates fluctuated, you know, between uh, 5 and 10% sometimes, they would be probably happy just putting their money in that. Uh, but with this, it's like a fantastic uh, amount of gains. Uh, very very little work to actually do and uh yeah and it's it's just easy and it's easy to get people to do and when when you offer them this you know insane opportunity you know it's just uh it's too good to pass up for some people um and i've even talked to some people who who say it's it's too good to be true but they still want to do it right because they think they're getting in early enough I, I think it's because they believe in it. Oh, okay. I, I, I really, I think a lot of people do. And, and uh, uh, but we'll see. I, I think in, you know, next couple of years, it'll, it'll go belly up and, and unless they change, you know, it's, it's, it's really weird because if, if it was possible that they were just really good at trading and, and, you know, buying mining contracts and, and all that stuff, uh, I, you know, if they had the magic formula, they would just keep it to themselves. It wouldn't make sense to, to uh, make everybody else rich. It just, it just doesn't. Well, at for, okay. So- at forty percent, if if they had, uh, well, it sounds like to me from the from the interview that I watched them do, they, they've already got over thirty million dollars worth of Bitcoin. Okay. So at forty percent, you know, why would they even need? other people's money to come in and and uh so they could trade with it you know at some, at some point it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense anymore unless they really think they're going to compete with uh uh the banking industry and and stuff like that and if they really think the banking industry is going to end up buying from them at a high, uh, you know at a way or higher price but even then it wouldn't matter because if someone was buying the bitcoins from them then they wouldn't have the bitcoins so <laughs> Okay. They would have will, less bitcoins, not more. <laughs> I will say this: if I had the magic formula, I would still need other people's money to put it into to practice, right? So even if you have, if they have thirty million, and you're saying why do they need more? Well, the answer is because they don't have thirty billion, right? So the, if it, so, if they do have the magic formula, it still would behoove them to to get as much other of other people's money as they can, not, right? Not and if then, they plan on giving it away. <laughs> Well, but the, the, not give away all of it, right? If if the magic formula is like they can make sixty percent, but uh, but they have to give away forty percent, right, to do it, uh, okay. then the more the more I you guess. bring in, yeah. I'm I'm just saying because like I've I've yeah. had, I personally have had million dollar ideas, right, uh, but no one willing to give me a million dollars to put it into practice, right, to turn it into a billion dollar idea. Right? You, you see my point, right? So like yeah, and, sure. And that's, that's true for like any small business startup. Right, like everything on Kickstarter, right? Is someone going like, "I have the magical formula for whatever my product is, um, but I don't have the funds to do it." So, if you give me the funds, 
uh, I can make the I can put the put into practice my magical formula and spit out this wonderful product and make use you know either of the product or make some money as a company. So I think I don't think having the magical not having the magical formula is necessarily relevant. But if they do have it, yeah, then definitely they would need other people's money to get started. And greed play, plays a role as well, right? Because if you if you want to turn thirty million into thirty billion, uh, you're still going to need some of some of other people's money uh, to to make that happen faster. And all of a sudden, I have the sniffles. Woke up just fine. Uh oh, I don't know what happened. All right, anything else on on this or? Uh, no, no, not really. Okay, I would also say it's weird uh, when you talk about like. Wow, that was loud. Uh, when you talk about like Ponzi schemes in general, um, is the fact that um, you know y- you get like your friends and family as your downline, right? And like th- to me, to me, that's a lot of responsibility if you know that it's a Ponzi scheme going in, right? Like I want you to be my downline so I can make a whole bunch of money, but you might get screwed if this is the end, right? Or hustle and get your friends and family in uh, so we can screw well, them later on. I think the people that are that are pushing it on other people are are believers in this in this system, and it's really easy to believe it because it's it's very, like I said, the 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 website is very impressive. Um, the way they uh, they're they're running everything is it it's obviously got a lot put into it. Um, it's polished. Yeah, very nice looking, and and I don't. Um, and, and that's that's what I mean. That make that just makes it harder to see it for what it is. Um, but my the the best way I have to explain it is still my story about the twenty one million bitcoins, right? Because it's a limited, it's a limited amount. So you're chasing after fewer and fewer uh, bitcoins. The competition is getting harder and harder. So for them to say they're going to give out forty percent, and it's not dropping every month. Uh, then it it doesn't it doesn't seem logical. It does, it's not it's not yeah. going to work for very long. I, um, I hear they, your point. And they don't, and they don't talk about the future at all. They don't talk about changing anything. This is this is their formula. Their formula is getting more people to put in their money, their Bitcoin. Yeah, and that's it. There's there's nothing after that. There's but That's, they're also doing short-term contracts, right? So they're not they they may not I, even be trying to extend this out for the life of Bitcoin, right? It might well, be, you know, get your 40% in the next couple of months and then you're out. And then, you know, and at some point they just stop they just stop taking well, on new contracts if they're trying to be legitimate. Well, yeah, if they were trying to be legitimate, they would they would cut it off eventually. But um but I I don't I don't see I don't foresee them doing that at all. It just uh it's 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 too good to be true, and that's and that's why I say it most likely is. Um, uh, my my brain's going back and forth. Like, what should I talk about next? Like, how would I explain this to you to make sure nobody puts their money into it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of red flags. Um, they won't be obvious to people who are just getting into Bitcoin, right? Um, so yeah, if you get Bitcoin, just hold on to Bitcoin. Or or buy your favorite alt. My favorite alt is Monero. Um, yep. All right. Fair enough. Um, anything else? What else is going on in the world? Well, I I wanted to bring something up, be, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's relevant to the show, um, but I think it's it's pertinent um, to the mindset of people. And the, I'm only bringing it up because, you know, we, we've talked about, um, you know, the alt-right in the past and, you know, and how they seem to be um, a bunch of racists um, and, you know, and, and good or bad or whatever. I'm not trying to say either way, um, but I, I had an experience or a thought run through my head um, earlier this week that, again, if I, if I were to speak it, makes me sound racist and yet that's not what I'm trying to be. Um, so I, I've talked on the show in the past about like, you know, uh, my moped and my moped issues because that's my, my primary means of transportation. Um, and the state is trying to like, you know, mess with that as well. Um, but until they do, and I'm running out of time, like I, I, that's what I, that's one of my biggest pains in the ass right now is keeping this thing like functional uh, and, and optimal. 
And the shop that I go to, um, you know, takes cash and I try to pay them in cash as much as possible. And I even talked to the guy. I'm like, when are you going to start taking Bitcoin? You know, he's like, oh, what is that? And so, you know, we, we had a brief discussion about what that is and how to get into it and, you know, trying to move him in that direction as well. Um, but that's not that's not what I was thinking about at the time. So I had to take it back into the shop and waste my, you know, my bonus day off this week um, to go get like the headlights fixed. Um, because for some reason, like I got some super bright LED bulbs that were supposed to be like, you know, the greatest thing, you know, for, for driving at night. And they were, they were phenomenal, super bright um, for, for such a little moped headlight. Um, but they kept burning out and they kept burning out. And then, so I went in, I said, Hey, the headlight burnt out. And they replaced it with a different one. And then that one burnt out. And so I went back in there and I said, Hey, the headlight, you know, burnt out again, you know? And he's like, Oh man, you're, you're not the only, uh, we'll fix it, but you're not the only one that's having this problem. Right. So it's obviously a problem with the headlight itself. It has nothing to do with like my bike. And you know, this is like the fourth headlight in like a month and a half or so, or two months, maybe. Sorry. Apologies for the sniffles. Um, and so I take it back in and I talk to a different guy, you know, cause the, the owner of the shop wasn't in. And I'm like, he's like, Oh, what are you here? I'm like fucking headlight burnt out again, man. Like, and you know, I'm, I'm done with these led bulbs. Just put in the regular filament bulb, even though it's not as bright. I can't have, I can't be driving, you know, at 11 o'clock at midnight, um, with no headlight, right? Like this, this is unacceptable. So put in something that, you know, is not going to work. And then he said, Oh yeah, it's because the owner keeps bringing in these like cheap bulbs from China. And my first thought was like, well, fuck, there's your problem right there. <laughs> cheap Chinese goods. And then I thought, well, that sounded kind of racist. I didn't say it, right? But I, it went through my head and I, I stopped myself before I said it. Um, so instead I said, you know, like st- he's got to stop. He's got to bring in like better quality bulbs, right? Not necessarily from a different country, but I just, I wanted to share that, um, because I think it's like it's it's that um, pervasive uh, cultural what's the word I'm looking for programming I'm gonna say programming right where as soon as someone says like you know made in China the 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 first thought is like you know cheap and fragile right is that is that fair do you, do you experience that in any way MC um I mean yes and no um, I think maybe maybe iPhones are made in China. I don't know. I can't remember, but there it's, it's a, it's a quality. Yeah, you're right. It's a quality issue. Not a, not a race thing. Um, if you absolutely wanted the cheapest product possible, um, maybe you'd go to China. Um, but if you wanted the best quality product, you know, ever, um, you could go to China also, but you'd have to, make sure your quality controls are are working fine. And I think that's I think that's the same for ev- everywhere. But um because I think because the labor is is cheapest in, in China, um if you were abso- you know looking for the absolute lowest price where quality isn't the number one concern, uh that would be a good place to start. Okay. So so again, the thought that went through my head was like cheap Chinese goods. And I, ha- but I immediately had to like process that out and go like, well, that's not really the issue. Right. And I guess what, what, I guess maybe I'm not being clear of, of the point I'm trying to make is that the reason that process went through my head is not necessarily because it's true, but more so because it's what I've been like culturally programmed to think at the time. And then I have to, you know, even though that like, that's the first thought that comes into my mind, um, you know, tr- trying to be like the sane and rational, and, and, you know, righteous individual, uh, that I try to be, I have to eliminate that thought process and say like, no, it's just, it's quality in general, not necessarily, you know, like that could be like the worst manufacturer in China that they're bringing in from. And it's probably a good one. Um, but I, 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 I bring it up again because I think a lot of the race issues, um, that come to light between, you know, the left and the right in the political sphere, um, comes about again from cultural programming, not necessarily people thinking rationally. Is that does that is that more clear? Is what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make? Sure. Okay. So that's it. I just wanted to share that because you know if again I think if more people think about um, those issues 
before, you know, like, like the, why do you think that, right? Like, you know, I, I had to reflect on that. Like why, why was my immediately, my immediate thought, um, cheap Chinese products. And then, you know, why was that? And it, it's, again, it's just, it's a cultural programming, um, that we see a lot in, you know, in, in, in the political sphere right now. And if we can recognize that and get other people to recognize that, um, then hopefully maybe, uh, they'll be able to, to change their direction or change their, their thinking. Um, and maybe we can squash that whole, like, you know, that whole race issue. Um, also, also, you know, just for kicks, um, you know, uh, one of our friends posted, uh, on Facebook, like, you know, the, the, the racist chart, right? Like if you're white, no matter what you do, uh, you end up being a racist in, 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 in common culture today. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not here shouting white power. I just find it weird. Like how, how that's, how did that even come to be? I guess is my general question. Uh, well, it's a lot of it is the, the virtue signaling mm-hmm. culture, um, where, uh, a lot of white people, uh, think, uh, better about themselves if they hate themselves. So, uh, yeah. So they have to. They have to say white people are bad to to uh, justify their their existence. I guess I don't know. All right, fair enough. That's all I had. Shall we move on? Uh, sure. All right. Headlines. Yeah, go for it. Headlines. Uh, ask without coercion. Headline. Okay, this one was like submitted. Uh, by a, a, a fan on the on the group page or a group member in the group page. And unfortunately, like there's like the headline. Oh, maybe not. Okay. The headline for this one. Uh, Jeffrey Hall, geneticist who won the Nobel Prize is over it. Um, when, I, when I was reading through this article on my... Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, wait. Yeah. As I was reading through the article, it's not the only headline on the page. So I wasn't sure if, if this was posted... Um, by our, our, our group mate, uh, because that's the headline he wanted us to read, or he read one further down the page, and that's the only one that gets linked to at the top. So um, hopefully that's the headline he wants us to, to check out, because that's the only one I read, and I wasn't about to scroll through the entire website. Uh, headline, federal judge restores driver's license to two with unpaid traffic tickets, maybe first ruling of its kind. Uh, headline, Austria's burka ban causes arrest of a man dressed as a... Shark. Uh, headline, the trouble with taxes. Uh, headline, grossly incompetent cop arrest hero who stopped a robbery instead of the robber. Uh, headline, Denver is hiring teen cigarette narcs. Uh, headline, schooling was for the industrial era. Unschooling is for the future. And finally, headline, uh, warning, legal racket robs elderly of property and rights. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Oh no! Sure, go go with any of them. All right, uh, because it was submitted by a group member. Uh, let's just do this one. Jeffrey Hall, ge- geneticist who won the Nobel Prize, is over it. Um, I'm, I, I've already read through it. I don't know if you've read it at all, MC. Um, I, I I I don't know what the point uh, of this article is, but he wants us to read it and at least check it out and share it on the show. So let's do it. Uh, on Monday, the Nobel Prize for Medicine and Physiology was awarded to three American scientists for their research on circadian clocks, which has been ongoing since the 1980s. It was an unexpected honor for formal Brandeis University geneticist Jeffrey Hall, who, unlike his co-awardees Michael Roshback and Michael Young, left the science world over 10 years ago and not exactly on the best of terms. Uh, I can't pour some of the money back into my research because I haven't been doing research for years, said Hall in an interview with the Associated Press on Monday after receiving the award. He was speaking from his front porch in the middle of nowhere, Maine, wearing a Harley Davidson's t-shirt and a Brondo hat that says Thirst Mutilator. I'm retired with dwindling coffers. I've already lasted longer than I intended. Uh, this will keep me going until I'm dead, said the, he said wryly. A uh, whole sense of humor, however dark, marks a levity in his tone that was not present in 2008 when he resentfully commented of the state of American science, academia, and left research for good. Uh, by that time, Hall. By that time, Hall had been collaborating with Roshback and Young for almost two decades, continuing to study the period gene and its role in the circadian rhythm and sleep cycles of fruit flies. 
But over the years, as his work went unnoticed by funding institutions like the National Science Foundation, the big discovery for which they were awarded the Nobel Prize happened in 1984. Hall ran out of funding and had to leave academia. Uh, in a scathing interview with the journal Current Biology, in which he was asked whether he was leaving science early because of unjust distribution of funds among scientific luminaries, he said, Yes and yes. I admit that I resent running out of research money. Recent applications from our lab have their lungs ripped out, often accompanied by sneering personal denunciation, perhaps reflecting the fact that this old-timer has lost his touch. But I still love the little flies and claim that my colleagues and I could continue to interact with them productively. Hall's largest issue with the American scientific community, community, which he said is riddled with institutional corruption, is that it favors science hotshots, which are themselves produced an unfairly system that excludes many worthy scientists. Uh, whether or not a researcher of a certain notoriety deserves the support system to keep him going, there's far more general problem. What props up biological research, at least in the vaunted U.S. of A., involves a situation so deeply imbued with entitlement mentality that it's sunk into institutional corruption, he said in 2008. Uh, there is an ongoing problem in science academia, he says, in which there is a surplus of doctorate-level scientists looking to join the faculty at universities and research institutions and not enough jobs. Uh, competition is fierce. Just getting a foot in the door requires a large body of documented accomplishments, as Hall calls it, which is equivalent to what a full pr professor would have had on their resume in olden times. Then, once a person, or as Hall would say, surf, secures one of those rare faculty jobs and begins their research, they're suddenly expected to keep securing external funding, despite there being a very limited supply. And even if you're one of the lucky ones that gets the money, there's no guarantee it'll be around during the next round of funding. What if the situation is worsened when the government at hand is anti-science and otherwise squanders its research on international adventurism, Hall wonders prophetically. Uh, Hall's critique of the funding problem many scientists experience seem especially pointed in the light of the fact that the Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded to researchers studying gravitational waves, a massive project that has cost the National Science Foundation over a billion dollars. Uh, money is allotted by federal and private institutions according to what fields are hot in science, uh, which is determined by a number of factors that scientists cannot control. Uh, suffice it to say, Hall has left the science world with a bitter taste in his mouth, which he seemed to have morphed over time into weary, albeit good-natured acceptance uh, of what he has left behind. Still, he seems pretty relieved that he no longer has to deal with selling his work to institutions in order to get funding for research. Nobody knows, nobody cares. If you try to describe what you do for a living, he said in an interview with the AP, I can say to you, oh, we're studying the macromolecules piled up at the presynaptic nerve terminals. Snore. What the hell is that? Don't want to know. If you tell me more about that, I'm going to be so bored, I'm going to commit seppuku. Uh, end of the article. I guess your thoughts on the article in general, MC, or more specifically, uh, science funding uh, in a world of government grants. Um, I don't know what I was supposed to take away from this. <laughs> so you'll have I don't to. Know. That, that, that's that's all I can figure. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I mean, because this is totally totally not my realm at all. I'm I'm not even so sure i i care that much about science funding um i don't know what what do you think uh well that that was it i mean that was you know if, if we're talking about how science is funded uh then i would say clearly um you know having to secure your own funds shouldn't be a bad thing right <laughs> i mean that's you know that that's the the general problem with science in general um is that they, they, they count on government grants for a lot of their research and studies, um, and I, I cannot support that methodology, right? Um, you know, you've met my son when he was here over the summer, MC, um, and, you know, we, we, you know, our goal at the beginning of the summer, like at least when talking with you, was to try to get him to see how he can, like, you know, make some money of his own, even at his age of currently 11, Right. And, you know, and, and try to get him thinking in that mentality of how he can be productive to the world. Um, and so, you know, I, I talked to him like, well, what what are you interested in? Like, where, where do you go from here? Um, I know you're 11. Right. But like, you know, clearly you got to be thinking about something. And his answer was biology. Right. Like he wants to be a biologist of some kind in the future. I went noble goal. Right. Like that's excellent good choice boy um but just remember how science is funded in the united states which is like mostly grants from the federal government and if you do that uh you will not get my support 
at all in any way, shape or form. Um, and you know, so, so then we, you know, we, we get into the, the funding question. Um, and I go like, well, if you find an organization that takes private funds and does private, or if you can get funding on your own to study whatever it is you want to study, uh, then so be it. Good job. You know, good job for, for produ- being, pr- being productive uh, and being of value to those willing to pay you to do whatever biological research uh, you end up doing as, you know, a, a scientist or whatever. Um, so I guess that's, that's the only takeaway I can think from this is, you know, even, even though this guy is like over it. Right. He still is concerned about how science is funded. Um, and, you know, if, if if his if his position is that the federal government uh, should be funding more, you know, low level, not hot shot science, uh, then I would still have a problem with that. But if he's you know, if, if scientists, new scientists, right, are able to uh, provide their own funding or, or secure their own funding uh, for the research, then, yeah, good for them. Um the other, the other thing in the article was he said, you know, the, the oversupply and under demand, uh, for scientists in general. And I would say that that's a general product, um, of the, of the school system as we know it, like even, yeah. even the college system today, uh, yeah. uh over, over produces, over graduates, uh, more degrees than the world actually needs. Could be, um, a lot of it, we don't know how much it actually needs. It should just, you know. It should be up to the individuals to figure out where they're needed. Um, as, as far as the money goes, um, I, the, the way I see it is, is if the government wasn't so overbearing, if we didn't spend so much money on welfare for the banking system and, and welfare for the military and, and uh, you know, that, that sort of thing, um, there would be just a lot more money in the economy uh, for people to do what they want with. And uh, there, there might be more interest uh, in in privately funding science, uh, if if there wasn't so much uh, government going on, that's that's the way I see it. I might I might be wrong, but um, again, my my thing isn't so much science as it is uh, free will, and uh, so so yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> All right, moving on then. Sure. All right, man, there's so many that I wanted to get into. Um, okay, I guess we're going to have to skip. Uh, Austria's burka ban causes arrest of a man dressed as a shark. Um, okay, so Austria, yes, not the United States. So what? Um, but I guess, you know, a, a, as uh, as an anarchist, on the anarchist experience, uh, I try to look at the world as a world without borders uh, as much as possible. Um and so when, when things like this crop up, I go like, well, sure, it's not in my geographic region, uh, but at the same time, stupid laws and stupid politicians and stupid cops are everywhere. Um, and just because it's only happening there right now doesn't mean it can't happen here and doesn't mean it hasn't happened here. Um, I'm sure I could find other similarly ridiculous articles. Um, but here we go. Uh, Burka Ban, dressed as a shark. A man dressed as a shark was arrested in Austria, and officials cited the country's burka ban. The man was working for a mascot at McShark Electronic Store in Vienna when the arrest occurred. Uh, new restrictions came into effect in Austria at the beginning of the month, banning the wearing of full Islamic veil and other items concealing the face in public places and buildings. Uh, the ban also extends to medical masks and scarves as well, making the shark costume an obvious no-go. Uh, the restrictions are aimed at ensuring the cohesion of society in an open society, according to officials, and violations will be punished with a fine of up to 150 uh, euros. Even though the wording of the law was meant to be religiously neutral, there is still a gray area in which Austrians appear to be exploiting in order to make a point. When the police saw the young man in the shark costume, he was asked to remove it. Uh, the employee protested, saying he was just doing his job, uh, so the police arrested him and slapped him with a fine. Apparently, the man in the shark suit was reported to police by a member of the public who wanted to make a point of the new piece of legislation. Uh, the McShark Electronics Company is now reviewing its policy on using mascots to ensure they comply with the new law. Uh, the advertising agency, Wanda Network, who was at the McShark opening, wrote on its Facebook page, Today we were at the McShark store opening, and our shark mascot received a fine from the Vienna police because of the new ban of face coverings. Uh, life is not easy. Elsewhere in, Aust- uh, elsewhere in the Austrian capital, a cyclist was said to have been arrested and fined for wearing a scarf over her face, according to local media. 
And according to the Daily Mail, in passing the new legislation, officials in Vienna said acceptance and respect of Austrian values are basic conditions for successful cohabitation between the majority of Austrian population and people from third countries living in Austria. Uh, the new laws also apply to visitors, even though many tourists in the country are from Arab nations. Uh, other measures went into effect on October 1st, including immigrants being forced to sign an integration contract and compulsory courses in the German language and values. Uh, your thoughts on this, MC? Uh, arresting uh, a religious head garb like a shark costume. Well, obviously it's not a religious garb, but um, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. He's he's probably a status too. He probably deserves it. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like like ninety nine percent of the people in the world like like uh, you know worship the government. They don't realize it. But uh, I th- I think it's ironic that he told the cop he was just doing his job. Yeah, that was the funniest thing. <laughs> just do, just doing my job. <laughs> Why don't you take your costume off, police officer? <laughs> I seen an American picture of like the the uh, sheriff's department in their you know full SWAT camel gear, and the the caption was like, "Is this the sheriff's department or ISIS?" Right? Because everyone had the like you know face covered, blacked out sunglasses, you right. know, uh, assault rifle at the ready, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally. Uh... Yeah, it's wor- it's worse than game gang mentality. Uh... Because at least with the the gangs, you know that they, they don't usually have their face covered, and they got tattoos all over to show which side they support, and and all that. So now, to be fair, my tattoos are the same. Like all all of my my current crop of tattoos are all uh, libertarian ish or anarchy themed. So you know you you definitely know what team I'm playing for. Right. The freedom movement team. Not the. Uh, Hide yourself, uh, you know, head to toe, and uh, break into people's houses, and and uh, or or you know, cut off people's heads or whatever else you know bad things people do when they are totally hidden. But um, yeah, it's kind of like this, you know, same thing with the Antifa. You know, that they're it's not just that they're doing questionable things; they're 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 doing things that are that are bad. I mean, uh, you know, breaking private property, whatever. Um. So, yeah, uh, I guess next one. That was pretty good. All right, hold on one second. You got about five minutes left. Sweet. Sorry, trying to trying to do some Bitcoin deals as we're, as we're talking here. Bitcoin deals. Uh, we could talk about that if you want. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we covered Bitcoin at the, the beginning oh, of the show. Oh, we did already, yeah. See, I could talk about that all day long. And, and it, the reason is because I, I believe it's, like, the most important thing to uh to to our financial system not just in the u.s but across the world um it's just it's just a wonderful thing all right let me get into this one as well because this is um i'll read the headline and then i'll share uh federal judge restores driver's license to two with unpaid traffic tickets maybe the first ruling of its kind uh so so the headline kind of gives away the story but I'll read into it anyway but I just want to say this since we're we're short on time and I want to get through the article. Um I I I pulled this one up because I find myself in a similar situation. Right? Like um I I have not had a driver's license in almost 3 years. Um as as you know long-time listeners of the show uh might know um or would know if you're a long-time listener. Um, and one of the reasons I don't have one is because at this point they're, they're going to refuse to renew it, um, based on, uh, my refusal to pay their, their petty little tyrant, uh, extortion fines. So I, I, they, they, you know, I, I don't pay the extortion fees. Um, then they ticket me and I don't pay the extortion fines. And so their recourse of action is to then like not allow me to renew my driver's license. Um, which really has nothing to do with my capabilities as a driver. Uh, just, just, you know, their, their, you know, their, their position on me paying. Um, so if this goes through, right, maybe, just maybe, um, I, I would consider, uh, you know, uh, being, being on this end of it here, like maybe finding an attorney, uh, who could file a similar lawsuit, uh, for me here, um, and then get it overturned here, and then who knows? Maybe get my driver's license again, 
uh, depending on how much it costs. You know, I was, uh, again, I'll get into the article in a minute, but I was talking to my boss at work and he said he stood in line for like three hours uh, at yeah. the DMV trying to get his stuff. And I know yeah. when, when a buddy of mine was like first getting his license as a teenager or, you know, as an 18 year old or whatever, as a young adult, um, he went down to the DMV like at four o'clock in the morning just so he could like be first in line uh, to take the driver's test. Uh, and then he still wasn't first in line. He was like third or fourth, right? So there are people there like waiting in line that early in the morning uh, just to make sure that they get in um, because, you know, you, you got to take care of it. And they're, they're just, you know, there's there's no room for the, the state uh, to, to provide any customer service to people waiting that long. All right, into the article. A federal judge has reinstated the driver's licenses of two Tennessee residents thanks to a class action lawsuit challenging the state's practice of suspending licenses for unpaid traffic fines. The suit is still ongoing, but the reinstatement is a good sign. Uh, Groups representing the plaintiffs say this may be the first court decision of its kind. Attorney for Civil Rights Court, the National Center for Law and Economic Justice, Just City, and the law firm Baker, Donaldson, Bierman, Caldwell, and Berkowitz. Uh, filed the federal suit in September on behalf of what they say are more than a quarter of a million Tennessee residents whose licenses were suspended for unpaid traffic fines. These suspensions occur, the lawsuit says, without notification or consideration of ability to pay, violating the Constitution's due process and equal protection clauses. Two of those Tennessee residents are Fred Robinson and Ashley Sprague. According to the lawsuit, Robinson, 32, suffers from serious mental condition, cannot work, and barely subsists on Social Security payments. A Sprague is a mother of five who makes under $3 an hour at a Waffle House server. Well, that's probably not true. Both Robinson and Sprague accrued misdemeanor traffic fines of several hundred dollars, and when they failed to pay, their driver's licenses were suspended. Both were also told when they tried to make partial payments that no such installment plans were allowed. In addition to their other fines, they must now pay another $200 fee to have their licenses reinstated. Uh, civil liberties groups argue that such license suspension laws meant to discur- deter scoff laws instead trap poor residents in a spiral of debt, leaving them unable to drive to work to pay off their fines without racking up even more debt and possible jail time for driving on a suspended license. A September report for the Legal Aid Justice Center found that there are currently 4.2 million Suspended driver's licenses for unpaid court fines in five states alone. Only four states, the reporter said, the report said, required determinations of ability to pay before fines are assessed. In a temporary restraining order issued last Thursday restoring Robinson and Sprague licenses, uh, U.S. District Court Judge Aletta Trigger uh, echoed many of the same concerns. Robinson and Sprague's challenge was likely to succeed on the merit she explained because the ostensible justification for the state's lack of an indigent expect- exception is not merely tenuous, but wholly without basis and reason in light of the underlying dynamics at issue. One needs only to observe the details of ordinary life to understand that an individual who cannot drive is at an extraordinary disadvantage in both earning and maintaining material resources, Trugger wrote. Suspending a driver's license is therefore not merely out of proportion to the underlying purpose of ensuring payment, but affirmatively destructive of that end. Uh, taking an individual's driver's license away to try to make her more likely to pay a fine is not using a shotgun to do the job of a rifle. It's using a shotgun to treat a broken arm. Uh, there is no rational basis for that. In a statement following the order, Civil Rights Corps Executive Director Alex man, called the temporary restraining order the first big step towards eradicating a system that punishes people for their poverty. Uh, the rest of the class action case will determine whether we can help the hundreds of thousands of others in the same position, he continued. Uh, since, the Department of the, since the Justice Department released a scathing report in 2015 on the use of fines and fees as a revenue source in Ferguson, Missouri, the issue has been in the national spotlight. In a Dear Colleague letter released last year, uh, Vanita Gupta, the former head of the Justice Department Civil Rights Division, wrote that state and local courts are encouraged to avoid suspending driver's license as a debt collection tool, reserving suspension for cases in which it would increase public safety. As Reason reported last year, nearly 900,000 Virginia residents, roughly 11% of the state population, have suspended licenses at any given time. The majority of those suspensions were for unpaid court debts. A similar class action lawsuit challenged Virginia's license suspension practice, but it was dismissed on technical grounds. The state Supreme Court did announce new rules for determining a defendant's ability to pay court fees and fines, but the law, which the Obama-era Justice Department called unconstitutional, remains on the books. In the meantime, poor residents with, with outstanding traffic fines are stuck with an impossible choice. 
Uh, as Virginia resident Robert Taylor, who racked up thousands of dollars in fines, told me, it's kind of like my feet are cut off. I can't get anywhere. I want a job. I'll see a job. And when I find one I'm qualified for, I know I could run that store so well, but I can't get to it. Uh, end of the article. Uh, your thoughts on this, MC? I think we're out of time. That's my thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, then. Thank you very much for listening. I, I mean, I, I shared my thoughts at the beginning of the article because I wanted to get that out of the way. Um, so we'll, we'll see. If I if I get, well, if, if, if hopefully never, but if it, if it turns out that I get pulled over uh, again for some, some nonsense issue and they find that I don't have my driver's license, uh, maybe my attorney will get this, uh, you know, this citation along with um, my, my list of citations for my constitutional right to travel the public roadways without a driver's license uh, in, in my defense in court. Cause that was fun the last time uh, to go through that process. And I've shared that on the show before. I won't share it again here. So there you have it. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com slash anarchist experience. Uh, if you would also like to share an article that may, 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 may make more sense uh, than the one we read from a, a group member today, please join our group on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchist experience and post it there. Uh, and if you want to contribute to the show financially, uh, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Uh, thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.